You're listening to the MoneyWeb Now podcast series with Simon Brown. Live streamed every weekday at 6.30 a.m. It's Wednesday, 8 November. Disney results off to the close this evening in the U.S. I'm Simon Brown, coming at you live and loud from the MoneyWeb Global Headquarters in Johannesburg, South Africa. On the show today, Jimmy Moyaha, I want to touch on, I don't know, week updates from Omnia. It didn't seem that different from AECI. Uh, and then MTN. Point is, market didn't like either. Keith McLaughlin from Integra Asset Management. He's got a JC listed AMC. It is covering offshore small cap. I'm going to dig a bit around the offshore small cap space. And then Chris Eddy from 10X Investments. Pitfalls on tactical asset allocation, particularly in the short term. The show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. Morning headlines for MoneyWeb. Private investors are putting up money to stop load shedding, uh, investing in installations that offer attractive cash returns without the red tape involved when dealing with ESCOM. Business Day, WeWork restructuring will not affect SA. It's a chapter 11, and they say local businesses is strong and committed to investing in future growth. Morning markets, US was green, S&P up 0.3%, NASDAQ up 0.9%. Uh, across in the east, green, Sydney up 0.1%, Tokyo up 0.2%. Commodities, all red. Gold, 1,974. Brent, 81.62. Platinum, 8.96. Palladium, $1,028 an ounce. Rand, 18.35. Bitcoin, 35,300. Tencent up 1.5% in the Hong Kong lunch break. And top 40 opening call, about 175 points to the upside. That's a quarter of a percent green. MoneyWeb now on the money. Also available on podcast. Trading now with uh, Jimmy Moyaha. Jimmy, appreciate the early morning. Let's touch on those Omnias. Expecting HEPs to be between 2 and 12% lower. We saw mining growing. We saw agri lower rev. Chemicals hurting. Cash of $1.6 billion. And, and if you could contrast it with uh, AECI. The AECI did seem a little bit stronger. But yeah, the market didn't like these Omnias much. They were, they were selling. I didn't think it was that horror. Morning, Simon. I think the market uh, was just having a rough day yesterday. And I think if you're going to deliver bad news, then do it on a day like yesterday, right? So the market had a lot more going on as well. I mean, our resources um, index was down about 4% uh, yesterday alone. And that's a very telling uh, sign given where we sort of saw the market close out last week, the last two days of last week, and how green we we had it on the top 40 and the the results themselves aren't uh, something that are, is relatively unexpected. If you look at the, the reasons Omnia gave, it was a lot of macro factors, mm-hmm. things beyond their control um, and that sort of thing. They said that the, the areas that they are able to control, they are going to uh, do better in. And if you look at their Zimbabwean business, for example, the fact that they're now, um, uh, uh, the Zimbabwean business is now being accounted for in US dollars and now, therefore, they no longer need to account for it as a hyperinflation environment is a positive. No. Um, cited a lot of macro factors, reasons for uh, a poorer performance, but despite the poorer performance, they're still anticipating that their financial results are going to remain resilient, and the performance is going to remain resilient when they look at the full year picture. So, 
I think the market yesterday was just having a bit of a glum and gloomy day in line with probably the weather, I suppose. Um, <laughs> but from an Omnia perspective, those numbers aren't um, cause for too much concern and too much alarm at this stage, uh, given that the factors that they were that they mentioned are factors that they couldn't do anything about. Yeah, no, I take your point. Maybe it was just, as you say, the weather impacted markets. Markets didn't like then Omnia. Let's quickly touch on MTN. We get a lot because we see Nigeria, Ghana, Uganda, Rwanda all coming through with numbers. Uh, you know, group service revenue up 9%. They really are. I mean, they did 10.6 petabytes, sorry, 10,600 petabytes of data traffic. I didn't even know what a petabyte is until yesterday. they moving in the right direction, but they really are just becoming I mean, I mean, doctor and voice these days is is just a. It's become completely commoditized. Yeah, absolutely. And MTN um, again with with the the way we get the MTN numbers, it's always each region kind of gives us a bit of an indication first, and then we get this uh, consolidated group performance and group commentary. And if you look at the group commentary, uh, there are minor changes. Um, yeah, the the business isn't shooting the lights out compared to what it was doing last year, but it is remaining consistent, right? And if we can appreciate the consistency that exists within the banking and financial services space, we should be able to appreciate consistency in the telecom space as well. The business is growing subscriber base, and this is despite the fact that they have a a blended um, inflation rate of 17.3% year-to-date across their geographical uh, regions compared to the 14.2% that they had last year. So they're dealing with even uh, worse inflation across all of their uh, regions, and that's going to have an impact on your numbers. And despite that, the business is saying, okay, we're, we're able to still deliver somewhat of a consistent performance if you compare us to last year. Yes, some uh, numbers and metrics that are used to measure might be down maybe uh, a tenth of a percent or maybe a uh, a little higher than that, but it's not material um, differences in terms of last year's performance. It is steady uh, performance, and it is still showing growth. Uh, they've also outlined, obviously, that um, some regions have more concerning factors than others, and I think that's kind of why the share price is still sitting where it is. Is we know that the Nigeria tax bill that is hanging over their heads, uh, that cloud just can't seem to um, they can't seem to shake it from their perspective. So hopefully that is something they can put behind them um, until they do. I don't know if the share price will be able to go back above 100 Rand. I think uh, investors are are just very concerned um, in this time. If you look at MTN's business, though, they are well equipped to be able to deal with certain headwinds. I mean, they've got headroom of about 45 billion Rand as of September 2023. Uh, And this is despite the fact that they went and bolstered liquidity by an additional uh, billion Rand in terms of of, uh, uh, Rand bonds, which I don't know if they really needed to do that, but they're they're, they're comfortable in this in where they are at the moment. They're heavily invested in infrastructure development uh, to ensure that their network and infrastructure remains on par. And um, in South Africa, they're 
even contributing towards load shedding reduction, going green, having more solar plot um, installations at their head offices so that they can feed back into the areas around them. So the business itself, again, much like the Omnia business, um, is contending with a difficult macro environment. Uh, MTN has got other factors that um, are, may be a little tougher to deal with, but they're doing well as well. So I think the, the, the share price movements and the movements we saw yesterday they may have been as part of a broader negative day and negative sentiment. Um, and you and I have always said this, that when markets get skittish and uh, nervous, then you, you start to see it regardless of where things are coming. And investors are more critical of uh, information that comes out in that time. Yeah, man, I'll take a point. Shares 95 Rand. When they had that first Nigerian problem back in 2015, I sold it 175. That's been a horror performance. Jimmy Moyaha, appreciate the early morning. There's no postponing the inevitable. Your money knew this day would come. And you know what? It can hardly wait to start giving some back to you. When you invest in Stanlib's fixed income funds, you can retire earning a regular income off your investments. Invest for more certainty at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib is an authorized financial services provider and a registered manager. MoneyWeb now on the money. Trading now with uh, Keith McLaughlin, CIO, Integral Asset Management. Keith, appreciate the early morning. A couple of weeks back, you launched two AMC actively managed certificates. Uh, small cap offshore, UUGSMC, and a small cap local, UUSMC. Uh, disclaimer, I hold the former. AMCs, we chatted with Narina Fisser about this recently. I mean, they're kind of, in a sense, fancy unit trusts because they, they, they're active inside, but they're on the JSC. So I would buy them within my normal day. Uh, day-to-day JSC-funded account. Morning, Simon. Um, yes, you, you know, conceptually, we understand Uniplus very well in South Africa. And in fact, uh, in the listed space, when one is investing in collective investment schemes, we understand ETFs. And now we have the latest iteration of active ETFs, so it's not tracking a passive index. There mm. is an active being worked in the background. AMCs kind of fall a lot closer to active ETFs except for the difference than an ETF sits within a, within a trust, whereas the AMC is issued off a bank's balance sheet. And in case of these two notes, these two AMCs, the balance sheet that is issued off is UBS. So you want to go big, you want to go very <laughs> very straight, trade rate global, and then it's very, very simple. It's, it's actively managed in the background according to uh, a mandate. And uh, buying and selling it in the market creates or redeems units and flows in or out of the portfolio and is managed accordingly. And, and you've been, I mean, in, in, in all the, I'm trying to think how long, in, in, in the many years, let's say, that you've been in markets, you've, you've, you've been around the small cap space. When you, when you look offshore and small cap, I mean, is it much the same? Or perhaps, I don't know, perhaps they're more global. I imagine that, that certainly the, the, the offshore small caps are going to be a whole lot bigger. Absolutely. So first of all, there's a lot more. Well, yeah. It's worth, worth noting that more options are better than less. Uh, se- second of all, um, the, you know, the size and scale is, is quite different. I'll give you an example. Uh, the global AMC note, uh, as you said, the share code is UUGSMC. There we've got a median market cap in, in a portfolio where we're aiming to hold 30 to 40 small and mid caps. And the upper limit of market cap is about $15 billion, which, by the way, is, is over 200 million billion <laughs> rand. 
would would sit very comfortably at the top end of of our top 40. But the median market cap we hold is about five to six billion dollars. That's about a hundred billion rand. Uh, that would that itself would sit in the top forty. So even even the small companies outside of the S and P five hundred and Nasdaq hundred globally are large companies. This it's 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 wrong to view them as micro caps, really. Yeah, you know, I, I take your point. I mean, a micro cap is going to be minute in the US. And and are they more global or are you able to find sort of very regional? Because I'm thinking of our small cap space. Yeah, we, we've got some sent over, which of course is, is, is fairly global, but many of them are actually quite, quite sort of SA Inc. Yeah, so so locally and domestically, there there is a brand hedge element in, in the nature of the businesses that have done well, have managed to do well outside of South Africa, generally speaking. Um, but there is a large exposure to South Africa in terms of that, just as the nature of, of, of our listed environment and the smaller companies. The moment you go offshore, many of these companies are already global. You know, for example, we hold Domino's and Levi Strauss, Swiss mm. Code Group, Rental, Initial. These are absolutely global companies. Uh, Games Workshop sits in here as well. That's, they, they hold Warhammer. Um, that's <laughs> a global game. Uh, yeah, so these these are really are global companies. Um, there's some of them are regional plays. There's Pets at Home Group that sits in the UK. They're the largest uh, pet stores, uh, chain of pet stores and vets in the, in in specifically the UK. Um, but yeah, generally speaking, these are actually global companies. I take your point. I mean, as you say, I mean, you, you mentioned brands. I mean, you mentioned Domino's. You mentioned Levi. These are brands we know. Uh, in, in, as you, in our market, they would have been uh, large caps, but where well, they would have been top 40, top end of the top 40. Uh, when you look at the U.S., it's a whole different game. We'll leave it there. Keith McLachlan, CEO, Integral Asset Management. Appreciate the early morning. Your money can do more when it's investing with conviction. Our partnership with J.P. Morgan Asset Management gives you access to in-depth, broad market research and high-return investment strategies. So invest in a select set of companies with long-term structural growth potential with Stanlib's Global Growth Fund. Seek more returns at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. MoneyWeb now on The Money. I'm chatting with Chris Eddy. He's head of multi-assets at 10X Investments. Chris, appreciate the time. Tactical allocation. Actually, a colleague of yours, Chris Rule, mentioned it a week or two ago and how it's not something on his list. And it occurred to me, I've been to a bunch of your presentations in the last year or so. You talk about a lot of things, not tactical allocation. But I suppose first, let's start off with what is the sort of definition of tactical investing? Hi, Simon. Thanks for having me on. From our perspective, tactical asset allocation is really all about trying to express a market view over a short term. So really very much taking a directional view, if we're talking in an asset allocation sense of an asset class. Mm -hmm. So kind of saying like, over the next three months, we think the RAND's going to be stronger. Or over the next six months, we think SA equities are really going to sell off. And what you can see from that is that it's very binary in nature in terms of over that short term time period, either going to be right or wrong with that view. And really consistently trying to get that call right with all the surprises markets throw up hmm. over the short term is really difficult. You're probably going to get it right a few times. Consistency is going to be the problem. And then, as I understand, I mean, so what you at 10x, and of course, you've got the core shares ETFs and that's stable now. You do do slight tweaks, but they're much more longer term view. And it is broadly, you want equities, you want bonds, and, and you're not going to suddenly say, Lex, as you say, 
you know, go very aggressive SA Inc.? Well, I don't know whether that's entirely true because yeah. I think equally in terms of not necessarily believing in the value that tactical asset allocation can add to portfolio construction process over the long term, we also don't believe that a strategic asset allocation approach is static and that if you follow a strategic approach, you can't change your asset allocation in response to changing market environments because the reality is that markets are not static. So, I mean, if you look at our strategic asset allocation approach just at a very high level, what we do is we generate medium-term return expectations for asset classes over the next five to 10 years. And really those return expectations are very much impacted by the price that you pay today. And then what we try to do is you try to build portfolios that deliver the best risk-adjusted returns based on the investment objective you're looking to achieve. So if you follow that line of thinking through, really, material changes in the market environment today will impact that forward-looking return expectations. And as a result, you should see a significant change in your strategic asset allocation if there is a material change in the market environment. If there isn't a material change in the market environment, then you wouldn't expect changes in your portfolio either. I take your point. And let's use the US as an example where we have seen a, a spectacular, and let's take it up to what, end of 21, a spectacular run in US markets. That price you're paying, which is an elevated price by all metrics, simply suggests the next five or 10 years are going to be less spectacular. That's right. Spot on. So let's build on that example a little bit. If you're saying, okay, my view is that US equity markets are going to sell off materially in the next six months. So I go short and I try and monetize that view. Mm. That's a, a tactical, an expression of tactical asset allocation. But if what you're saying is, you know what, based off current valuations, the long-term return expectations over the next five to 10 years are looking materially lower than other asset classes available. And as a result, I'm now downweighting US equities with that five to 10 year view. The impact on your asset allocation today could actually be the same, but it's the driver behind the process, which for us really determines whether it's tactical in nature or mm -hmm. much more longer term and strategic in nature. And what is important here, perhaps, is you wouldn't take the US, for example, to zero. You really are tweaking at the edges more than anything. That's right. Very much within the ultimate confines, because at the end of the day, you're trying to deliver uh, specific outcomes for clients and ultimately sort of betting everything on one outcome generally is not a well-diversified approach to minimize the risk of achieving that outcome. So very much altering the asset allocation to ensure more consistency of returns and more predictability of outcomes, but very much taking into account the current market environment with which we find ourselves in today. You've mentioned a couple of times now the sort of five to 10 year time horizon, which is classic sort of long-term investing. I was always taught anything under five years can be considered short that almost in a sense it kind of smooths out that process what i mean by that is something that's happening today quite possibly forget about it in a month or six that's right that's right however i think what you're trying to do and i think you're spot on is that you really are trying to incrementally mm. change the portfolio and adjust to changes in the current market environment and valuation rather than taking this sort of stepwise approach that certainly can bring significant market timing risk uh, into the equation. We live there, Chris Eddy, head of multi-assets, 10x investments. Always appreciate the insights. 
And that's our poll today, LinkedIn and uh, X, tactical versus asset allocation. And there's a lot of talk around tactical. We hear it all the time. Chris there's saying, but hang on a second, does it really work? And perhaps it's more about rather than big tactical decisions, sort of tweaking at the eng- edges. Have your vote, have your say, LinkedIn and X. That's it for today. We were chatting with Wayne McCurry yesterday about that strong AECI trading update. Asked if you hold the stock. A third said not yet. A quarter said yes, absolutely loving it. And the rest was split between saying they're too cyclical in nature for you and some saying you prefer others. Of course, if that other was Omnia, ooh, it was a tough day out there. Have your vote. Have your say. LinkedIn and X. The show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. We're live every weekday morning on the MoneyWeb website and the app, 6.30 a.m. podcast, just after 7. Thanks to my team, Eddie, Nobokle, Nicole, to you for listening, my guests for their time. My name is Simon Brown. This is MoneyWeb Now. We'll chat again tomorrow. <laughs> You've been listening to another MoneyWeb Now podcast, posted every weekday at 7 a.m. on moneyweb.co.za. MoneyWeb Now, on the money.